Please remain standing as we read God's word. Passages from Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 984. It's also printed in your worship folder. Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to the precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is God's word. Amen. Well, good morning. Do you pray with me as we come to God's word? Father, we're in desperate need of you this morning. We need to hear from you. We know your word is powerful. It goes to the core of who we are, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring it to life for us even now. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I want you to think about the last time you were tempted to be dissatisfied. When was the last time you were tempted to be dissatisfied? Maybe it was when you came into the parking lot today and you saw the car next to yours that was much newer than yours and you remembered, I need some repairs to be done on my car. And, and you felt very dissatisfied in that moment. Or maybe you have a friend who recently bought a new house. And as a result, you feel like, man, my house isn't quite what it should be. And you feel dis- dissatisfied. But maybe more seriously, recently you've lost some of your health. And you can't do some of the things that you used to be able to do. And so you feel dissatisfied that your life has changed. Well, a few years ago, I had a flip phone. And I had a flip phone in a time where everyone was getting smartphones. And I felt very satisfied with my flip phone when I had it. I could text with one little finger. I had a screen that was about that big. And I was satisfied until I saw everyone else around me getting smartphones. They could look on the internet. That was pretty cool. They could text with two fingers. That seemed desirable. And so I bit the bullet. I was a late adopter and I got a smartphone. And I've had mine now for four years or so. And uh, it's ancient. Four years in smartphone land is it's pretty much a dinosaur. So I can't even download apps anymore on this thing. And uh, my case fell apart. Anyways, I feel dissatisfied even now because of my cell phone. It's not what everyone else has. It can't do the things that other people's cell phones can do. 
Well, it doesn't just have to be cell phones. It could be the clothes we wear. It could be the food we eat, the vacations we take. And if those things don't change for a while, the way this world is set up, we become dissatisfied. We're tempted to become dissatisfied because we're told that the newer is better, the bigger is better. And so we fall prey to that type of thinking. Well, unfortunately, this same type of thinking can capture us as believers when it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ. As we seek to grow, we can be tempted to believe that we need some new innovation or we need to read that best-selling book on how to cure yourself from anxiety or some other teaching that promises growth or deliverance, something we haven't yet tried to jumpstart our faith. Well, that begs the question, how do we grow and mature in the Christian life? How do we grow and mature in the Christian life? This morning, you may feel like growth is coming slowly. Maybe it's screeched to a halt. Maybe you feel like you're shrinking back and you're not growing at all. You want to mature, but you don't know the way forward. When you pray, it feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing back. Maybe that's you this morning, but maybe you're coming in here and you feel like you're on a growth spurt. You've seen habits in your life change. You've seen your desires for the Lord increase, and you feel like you are smooth sailing. Well, wherever you find yourself this morning, this passage in Colossians has a word for us, because if we're not careful, we can fall into practices and methods of trying to grow that are dangerous, and we need to watch out and be aware of these pitfalls. So as we continue this series in Colossians this morning, the text is going to answer that question for us. How do we grow and how do we mature in the Christian life? And Paul does that through giving us some warnings of growth strategies that we need to avoid. You see, when Paul wrote this letter, the Colossian church was a new church. They had received the gospel from Epaphras and they were alive and their faith was spreading But there was also danger ahead. Paul had heard of some false teachers that had come in to steal the joy of the Colossians and lead them astray from Christ. So Paul wrote this letter, even though he had never met them, he had concern for them. Paul wrote this letter and he he detailed how it is that we can have a mature faith. And he does so by focusing on Christ, on who Christ is and what he's done for us. And then he also details this attack upon their faith, and he wants them to be aware of it. These false teachers have been uh, highlighted there starting in verse 4 of chapter 2 when Paul says, let no one delude you with plausible arguments. Then in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. You see, Paul knows that wherever the gospel has spread, the enemy will launch a counterattack. There will always be counterfeits to the gospel wherever there is true gospel growth. And so we need to watch out. We need to be on guard. And in our passage today, Colossians 2, 16 to 23, Paul continues his warnings about the false teaching. And here Paul gives us three indicators 
of, that we need to watch out for, all of which promise growth but ultimately will hijack our faith. Three warnings, three indicators we need to watch out for. First, we need to watch out for teaching that lacks substance. We see that in verses 16 and 17. Teaching that lacks substance. Second, we need to watch out for teachers who have lost connection to the head. We see that in verses 18 and 19. And third, we need to watch out for rules that have no power to transform. We see that in verses 20 to 23. But let's first look at the warning that Paul has in verses 16 to 17, that we need to watch out for teaching that lacks substance. You see, Paul begins the, the verse there with one key word. He says, therefore. The therefore points us back to what he's just said in chapter 2. He's saying, since you have been filled in Christ, the head of all rule of authority, and since Christ has defeated your old nature, Colossians, And since you are now alive in Christ, and since all your sins have been forgiven, and since we have no outstanding debt to pay before God, and since the rulers and authorities of this world have been defeated and shamed at the cross, since all these things are true, Colossians, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regarding to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath. Apparently, there were teachers within the Colossian church who commanded respect and authority, who were peddling a particular philosophy, this way of thinking that said certain foods were off limits, or certain drinks were off limits, probably alcohol, and that following Christ required the Colossians to observe certain Jewish calendar activities, like the yearly feasts like the Feast of Booze or the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Feast of Weeks or the monthly celebrations that were called New Moon celebrations or weekly Sabbath observance. They were saying, yes, you've received Christ, but if you want to have fullness in Christ, you must adhere to these food laws. You must do these things within your calendar, and then you will have fullness. They were teaching that these days and this way of living was required for all Christians to experience that fullness. And they were pronouncing judgment or condemning those who felt differently. Well, there's a term for times when events are taking place and you're not there. It's called FOMO, in case you're not aware. Fear of missing out. A couple of you younger folks in the room kind of perked up when I said that. If we're not careful, we can fall prey to FOMO, this fear of missing out when it comes to growth in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It may be that everyone in your small group is talking about a new best-selling book that promises freedom in some area of their life. Or it may be that you feel pressured to attend a conference where there's a lot of popular speakers and everyone you know is going and you know that this particular teaching is going to be helpful for your faith. And if you don't go, you feel like you're missing out. You may not be able to grow in the same way. Well, apparently, a teacher, a group of teachers, had made the Colossians feel like they were uh, FOMO. They had a fear of missing out. They were feeling discontent or even judged because they weren't getting in line with this particular teaching. 
You know, in the Christian life, it's easy to become shackled with false guilt about the things that you aren't doing. You feel bad that you should be doing, then you fill in the blank. Well, I should be this. I should be that. Well, if that's you this morning, if you are shackled with guilt, I would invite you to ask the question, is the guilt you're feeling in the Christian life right now from Jesus Christ? Or is it pressure from others around you? Is that pressure robbing you of the joy God has intended to give you? Well, the reality is that these teachers were majoring in the minors. So Paul says in verse 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is Christ. The substance belongs to Christ. The text in the original language literally says here, but Christ is the body. You see, these other things, these food laws, the calendar observance, these were all a shadow. Christ is the body. These are the shadow that we're pointing to Christ himself. Christ is here. You don't need all those other things. That's what Paul is telling the Colossians. Why are you focusing on what is lesser? Saying you need to observe the Old Testament food laws and calendar when Christ has already come would be akin today to saying you need to go back to kindergarten after you've received a PhD. Or it's like saying you need to go back to driver's ed after you've gotten your license. Or it might be saying, like saying to Chris Bryant, who's the MVP of the whole National League last year for the Chicago Cubs, it's baseball, by the way, non-sports fans. It may be saying, like going, going up to him and say, Chris, you know, you got to work on your swing. Why don't you go back to t-ball? That would be ridiculous. Of course we wouldn't do that. But that's what these teachers were doing to the Christians in Colossae. They were telling them to go backwards in their faith, to observe these things that were actually pointing to Christ. They had Christ. They had enough. They didn't need to go back to these things. The other day, my wife and I were looking at pictures of our kids on the computer, and we think our kids are pretty cute, like every parent does. So we're looking at these pictures of the kids. We have five of them, and some of them came into the room while we were looking at these pictures. And it struck me as I continued to look at the pictures that what I was doing was pretty foolish because there I had my actual children that I could look at in the flesh, but I was stuck looking at pictures of them thinking, oh, how great they looked. And that's what these teachers in Colossae were doing. They were saying, go look at the picture, look at the shadow, when right there they had Christ himself They had all that they needed. Friends, this type of teaching, although in a different form, is subtle today. And we can fall prey to it if we're not careful. We must guard ourselves against the temptation to believe that there is some secret way to intimacy with Christ. Or that we're missing out on something that hasn't been revealed in his word. There is nothing that will help us get closer to him that has not been revealed in his word. We can trust the words of that ancient hymn. What more can he say to you than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? 
Answer, nothing. Nothing. Well, what does this look like in real life in 2017? I've I've been a little more abstract. Let me get a little more real. You're probably not tempted to go back to the Old Testament food laws or to obey the Jewish calendar. That may be a few of you here, but probably not most of you. But there are subtle add-ons to Christ being peddled throughout our evangelical world that we're bombarded with all the time. And we need to be aware. One example comes from a best-selling book where the author says this in the introduction. She says, I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible. And here's the alarming statement. But I yearned for more. I wanted to hear what God had to say to me personally on a given day. You hear the danger of those words? I knew that God communicated me with me through the Bible, but I yearned for more. Friends, this type of language undermines the sufficiency of Scripture, and it adds on to Christ. Now, this particular book has been read and, and, and used by many, if not millions, but the premise of it is something we need to be very aware of and be aware and beware of. Because it can lead us away from Christ and it can tell us things about Jesus that may be part of the truth, but not all of the truth. I've heard some people say with particular resources, you know, I don't find any help in my Bible, but this resource, wow, this really opens it up for me and I learn when I read this resource. Friends, if that is you this morning, warning lights should be going off in your mind. If there's anything other than his word that you're getting your sustenance, your, your daily meal. I'm not saying other teaching and other books are bad, but if, there, if the sustenance of what is in your faith is not coming out of his word, you need to be aware. Another example of this would be the flurry of books in the genre, which is called uh, heaven tourism. You've probably seen or heard about these books. These are the accounts of people who have temporarily gone to heaven, and then they write of that account, and then the books sell millions of copies, and then there's movies made about these particular testimonies. Friends, again, the, mo- re- the most reliable testimony about heaven and the greatest revelation comes from this book right here. We don't need someone else to tell us what heaven is like. God has revealed what he wants in his word. We don't need to add onto his revealed will as contained in the Bible. So why do I bring up those specific examples? It's not to rob you of your pleasure. You may enjoy some of these books and movies, but it's as a pastor here at College Church, I want to protect you, the flock, the people of God, from being led astray. Because this teaching is very subtle. It enters in very gently, and then before we know it, it will slowly lure us away from Christ if we're not careful. So the first indicator we need to watch out for is teaching that lacks substance. That is, it lacks Christ who is the substance. Moving on in the passage in verses 19 to 20, Paul now warns us to watch out for teachers who have lost connection to the head. 
Watch out for teachers who have lost connection from the head. So he describes this teacher or teachers in Colossae in verse 16 by saying this. Let no one, or sorry, verse 18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. You see, this teacher, whether it's one guy or a group of guys, we don't know, but he was insisting, or the translation could mean he was valuing asceticism, harsh treatment of the body. He was valuing fasting and limiting what he ate or what he drank. It was thought at this time, if you practiced asceticism, you were a ripe candidate for heavenly visions. And that's probably what this teacher was into. So he would limit himself, and then he would have a heavenly vision, and he would tell the people about the heavenly vision, and he gained authority and recognition because of this. Well, Paul bursts his bubble and exposes him by saying that he is arrogant, that this man is puffed up without reason, and he's driven by his fleshly mind. Then in verse 19, he indicts him further when he says that this teacher is not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. This teacher was not connected to Christ. All of his appearances of spirituality and godliness and humility were a sham created by his own arrogant mind. And friends, this should give us real pause for seeking out and being lured by teachers on the basis of their charisma or on the basis of their apparent godliness who emphasize testimony and vision above what we see in God's word. As genuine, as authentic as these type of teachers may seem and as attractive as they may be, it doesn't align, if their teaching doesn't align with God's word on whatever the matter is, we need to discard the teaching. And we need to discard listening to those teachers. We need to be like the noble Bereans of Acts 17, where we read that they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Friends, do you do that on a regular basis? This afternoon, will you go and talk with a significant other, and will you kind of examine the scriptures to see if what I said was true? Do you do that with conferences that you attend and books that you read? We need to do that if we want to stay close to him who is the head, who is Christ. So I wonder this morning how you're seeking to grow. We don't need another amazing revelation from God because God has provided the most amazing revelation of all time once and for all through Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection. We don't need anything more. We grow through the ordinary means of grace that God has provided through his word. And the growth comes from God himself. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows us what a faithful inner life of a disciple looks like. He shows us what it looks like to cultivate growth. And there we see that 
Growth doesn't come by the showy and the spectacular. It comes in secret, in private. Our Father sees what is done in secret, whether it's praying or fasting or giving or reading his word or spending time with him. Whatever it is, he sees it and he rewards us. He rewards us with his presence and we grow. We grow individually and we grow corporately when we're connected to the body. Today you may be in a place of spiritual health. You may feel like you're really growing in in amazing ways from the way the Lord is speaking to you. And if that's you this morning, you need to be connected to the body. And if you're here at Cause Church, if this is your church home, you need to be connected here because we need you just as other people uh, need each other. We need one another. Each joint and ligament needs each other. It's really awkward when there's a bicep that's huge and the ligaments aren't there to support it and the rest of the body looks like it's atrophied. You've got one huge bicep and the rest of you looks like you need to go to the gym. That's what it is like if we're just seeking to grow on our own in isolation. Saying, I'm just, it's just between me and the Lord. We need one another, friends. And that's how we can grow as well. So as we think about growing in Christ, we first need to watch out for teaching that lacks substance. And then as we just talked about, we need to watch out for teachers who have lost connection to the head who is Christ. And now in the final verses of this warning section, in verses 20 to 23, we see that we need to watch out for rules that have no power. If you talk with enough people who don't know Jesus, a common complaint is, well, I don't like Christianity because it's all about those rules. You can't drink, you can't have fun, you can't, you can't, you can't. You've heard the argument. Well, this should never be what we're known for, what we cannot do or the rules that we have because we have been set free from external rules in Christ and we are now in a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And yes, we still do and do not do things, but we do so out of obedience to him, not because of some external rule. And here Paul is shocked that the Colossians, after receiving Jesus and believing in him, would go back to their old ways of practicing religion by following a bunch of rules in order to grow. So he says in verse 20, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you still are alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teaching. Here Paul is reminding them that they are under a whole new system. He's saying, Colossians, you've been made alive in Christ. Don't go back to the old way. Don't try starting with Christ to now perfect yourself and become like Christ through the old means. Their old nature died with Christ. And if you are a Christian, your old nature has died with Christ. Which means we are no longer under the power of of these elemental spirits and their rules. These are the evil spirits that were behind these external rules, the evil spirits that are behind all organized religion apart from Christianity today that tell you you gotta do all these things in order to get to God. 
The Colossians were subjecting themselves to human regulations from teachers that promised a freedom from the flesh through self-denial when they themselves were enslaved to the flesh. The thinking was that if you could deny the flesh and starve it, then perhaps you could control its appetite. But that's unfortunately not how it works. Paul says in verse 23 that these things have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. They seem wise, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What's Paul saying? He's saying you cannot defeat the flesh by your own willpower. You cannot defeat the flesh through man's wisdom. You cannot control your natural desires on your own. Trying to do so has no value. It appears to be wise, but remember what Paul said earlier in his letter, that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. They can be found nowhere else. There's no other place to find the way to grow but in Christ. Well, this seems like an outlandish claim from Paul. How can these rules have no value in stopping the flesh? Well, it's because they are man-made. And they are influenced underneath by evil spirits who hate Christ, these elemental spirits. And they are focused on the external. They have no value in changing the heart. Rules that limit what we can eat or drink, or any other external rules that we might place upon ourselves or others, they all lack the transformational power to change the heart. Friends, if you're struggling this morning, if you're struggling with sexual purity and there's lust in your heart or sexual immorality in your heart, or if you're struggling this morning with bursting out in anger towards your kids or towards a friend or, or somebody who's wronged you. Or if you're struggling this morning with envy towards those friends or neighbors who have all these things that you don't have. Those things don't come from the external. Those aren't due to those people and what they've done to you. No one else is to blame. But those things come straight out of the core of who we are. Jesus says it comes out of the, our hearts And so if we seek to change our external behavior, but the internal heart has not changed, our fleshly desires, says Paul, will never, they'll never be cured. Well, if you're a tennis fan, you'll know that the Wimbledon Tennis Championship was this weekend. And I've I've been told even the men's final is over. I won't tell you who won if you're a tennis fan. But this tournament is held at the All England Club, and there's a lot of rules in this All England Club. And one of the rules is that you must wear all white. And apparently, the rule extends to even your undergarments. And yeah, it's a little bit awkward. So awkward that in the third round match, Zurig Rodnoff was forced to leave his court because someone spotted something dark underneath his shorts. And so you can see this video, maybe don't go online, but you can see this video where 
someone comes up to him and, and he has to show them his shorts, and indeed he does have black or some dark colored underwear, and he, he needed to leave and then come back and play the match. Well, why would I tell you that story? Because <laughs> this rule is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous rule because the color of your underwear has no value, cannot change how well you play tennis. The rule doesn't change the way you play. And just like what I call the underwear rule at Wimbledon, here Paul is saying that the rules of this philosophy from these teachers do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. They have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Well, maybe you're here this morning and you're trying to grow in your faith. You're trying as hard as you can to grow through a bunch of rules, a bunch of check boxes that if you could just check each one of those off, you think, man, I am where I need to be. You think if you put in all the effort, you'll get the results. But that's not how it works in the Christian life. When we first committed ourselves to Jesus Christ, we admitted that we cannot do it on our own, that we knew we had to humble ourselves, admit that we are sinners, and that we needed a Savior. And then we put our full trust in Jesus Christ. And just as we came to Christ, Paul is saying, so also you must grow in Christ. We cannot grow by ourselves through our own spiritual growth plan. We need Jesus Christ to grow just as much as we needed him to save us in the first place. He is the one to whom you must be connected if you want to grow. As he said in John 15, 7, abide in me for apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal value apart from Christ. So friends, to experience lasting growth and change, we need a new heart. We don't just need new behaviors, which we do need new behaviors, but we need a new heart. We need new desires, not just new actions. And only Jesus can give us what we need. That's why Paul reminds us that we died to the elemental spirits of the world. They no longer hold sway over us. Their rules have no value because they cannot change the heart. Now, we're all naturally drawn to trying to please God on our own efforts rather than resting in what Christ has done for us and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. We all feel that. But remember in the Gospels how Martha was busy preparing for Jesus' arrival. She was serving, doing all this stuff, getting ready for Jesus' arrival. And then Mary, Mary's there just sitting at Jesus' feet listening to Jesus. I remember the first time I heard that story, I was, I was mad at Mary. It's like, Mary, what are you doing? You've got to help. You've got to help get ready for Jesus. But Jesus said, no, Mary has chosen what is better. And maybe this morning, as you go this afternoon, you go this week, you need to be like Mary and take the attitude of Mary and go sit at the feet of Jesus. Listen to him through his word. Pray to him. Bring someone alongside you within your small group or within this church. 
and learn what it means to truly grow and truly walk by the Spirit. Because Paul says in Galatians, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's powerful. Well, you may have convictions this morning about, and even rules about alcohol or whether or not to drink caffeine or what kind of music is appropriate at church or outside of church or playing sports on Sunday or eating pork or other such things. You might have rules about all of those things, but please do not use your convictions, your personal convictions, as a measuring stick of your spirituality or to measure your spirituality against somebody else's. Because again, check boxes are not a good indicator of our spiritual growth and maturity. Only Jesus transforming your heart can stop the indulgence of the flesh. And only he can make you grow. So that brings us to the main point of this text, which is that in Christ you have everything you need to grow. So watch out for any promise of a spiritual growth plan apart from him. So there we have it, three warnings. Watch out for teaching that lacks substance. Watch out for teachers that have lost connection to the head who's Christ. And watch out for rules that have no power to transform. But the last thing I want, would want you to take away from this is to just remember the three things to watch out for. Because what I believe God wants us to hear is his love for us as, his, as him being our heavenly father. His loving call to you in his word. He has given us these warnings as a loving dad, a loving savior. And he's saying, watch out, friends. There are many things that are going to steal your joy in the Christian life, that are going to take you in a whole different direction and are going to hijack your faith. And what a gift he has given us to give us these warning signs in his word. So the next time you're tempted to feel guilty over something you shouldn't feel guilty about or that you're not up with the latest fad other Christians are engaged in to grow spiritually. Remember that if you have Christ, if you are abiding in Christ, you have everything you need. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these warnings. Lord, you are a good heavenly father. You are loving. And Lord, we are amazed that you would rescue us sinners to be your children, to do your work. Lord, help us to remember that we cannot grow apart from you, that you bring the growth. Help us to stay connected to you, Jesus. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.